Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Just sit there going, um, are you going to push the button anytime soon? Or Haha, that means I get to do the whole new story with, with full to, reveal. Yeah, really? You get to do it all over again. No problemo, Mo. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody out there. We started the show, and then I didn't hit the record button for like a minute and a half. <laughs> so, so all that great stuff yeah. we were talking about, Pat Spurl is lost. Oh, yeah, I, I just thought it was funny because I'm like, he's in performance mode voice? But he hasn't pushed the button yet, yeah. so I, I thought he was, I was fucking just, with I us. Thought, yeah, exactly. I did too, so I wasn't sure exactly <laughs> no, what I would, was going on. I, I hit the button, but it didn't take, obviously, and I just started rolling with it. It didn't take. Well, it's taken now. Welcome to Geek Shock number 482. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And it's good to be back. We're missing uh, Maple Leaf Matt Aww. this week. Don't know why. We're missing... Uh, Andy, but we know why. But both should be back next week. And I want to thank everyone out there. I appreciate your indulgence for allowing us to skip last week. Had a bit of a family emergency that needed to be taken care of. Uh, highly stressful, but everybody is okay. And so thank you. I hope you enjoyed the unedited version of The Couchman as recorded at Scoop Fest. Unfiltered. Yes, there I am. I already have begun work. On the one with the sound effects on it, but damn, that's taking longer than I expected. But it will get done. It will de- definitely get done. Someday. Someday. Ooh, someday. The one you gave away will be yes. the only one you wish to fall. Yes. Uh, I'm someday. With the song. Uh, uh, someday. That's how it wow. goes, right? Yikes. Am I putting too much into it? That uh, I don't know. Is that what she said? <laughs> Mariah Carey. I might have thrown a few uh-uhs in there. Yeah, you did. Okay. Might have, like. I might have salt and peppered it up. <laughs> well. I actually waited on Mariah Carey. Not not quite as diva-ish as I was led to believe. Does she talk with a lot of uh-uhs? Uh, it's like, no. I'm, I'm Mar- Mariah Carey. Uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? No. Wow. I guess uh, that's all you got to throw at me. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Well, I was going to say, since I was talking about waiting on people, I did have a uh, a geeky moment last week uh, because CinemaCon was in town last week. Yes, that's the big... Yes. All the movie studios come to Vegas and woo the theater owners. Yes. So, I had an event that I worked, and I had a... A moment of indecisiveness about whether I wanted to continue working my job because both Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther, yes, and uh, uh, Drax, um, just Dave Batista, excuse me, fantastic. I had a little slip of the thought there. Uh, we're both in the room. I waited on both the gentlemen, and I'm like, "Is it worth getting fired if I yes. get a quick picture with both of these guys?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I was so yeah. I, I then you slip not. in your card, say that you're a filmmaker. Jobs are yeah. temporary. Film is forever. Yeah. Wow. But I, I had I had one of those. That's a great episode. Crisis title. of conscience moments last week. So, but uh, <laughs> it was cool. They were both very nice, uh, very cool guys. Uh, just wish I'd have been able to get a picture with them. Yeah, that's really cool. I had two Marvel Cinematic Universe. Awesome, amazing actors. That's pretty special. In the yeah. same room. There, but for the, the grace of time. God, go us. Yes. Right. Us geeks yep. amongst yeah. the rabble. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I really actually wanted to tell Dave Batista, thank you for sticking up for James Gunn and being such a stand-up guy with the whole situation. But yeah. My, the limits of my interaction were seeing if he needed anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you need More water, Mr. Batista. Well, exactly. Thank you, you for James Gunn. Ice? Yeah, you, <laughs> you should have refilled him, and when you brought back the water, you're like, we call this the James Gunn. And because <laughs> because it was an event that they were there basically working, you know, they were, ah. they were talking to theater owners about... Hired you know, to schmooze. Yes, exactly. So... I feel felt like it was bad for him to butt into that. If there had been a moment where he was just by himself and not having, uh, you know, being surrounded by, you know, people from the various theaters and press wanting to get a, a selfie with him, I, I might have said, hey, by the way, good job on the whole James Gunn thing. But uh, anyway, didn't do it. Very cool. That reminded when I worked at Hard Rock and John Oates yeah. came in now. Uh, monkeys might not be aware. Hall and Oates is one of my favorite groups of all time, through and through. The first group I ever loved, and still to this day, top three. Loved those guys. So, John Oates with his his wife and uh-huh. his child, right? Uh, and I was going to see their show like that night, and as he's in the restaurant, I got to tamp it down, got to tamp it down, but. I intercepted their food from the food runner mm-hmm. saying, I'm delivering this table. So I take the food over to him and just as, as just try to be as nonchalant and calm as I could and right. say, it's an honor to have you in the restaurant. He had such a panicked look on his face for, for that. I, I, I don't know if I gave off the vibe that I was feeling that, yes, I'm obsessed with you for all my life. Probably. But <laughs> but he had, gave that, that whole like, Quick look to the door, kind of. <laughs> Maybe it's because you weren't on shift and you were just wearing civilian clothes. Maybe so. <laughs> well, I wasn't wearing clothes, but it's, it's something. Oh, it was something. What? Yeah, <laughs> it was something. But but all the same, I kind of got to meet one of my music idols. Yeah, you know, it, that was one of the neat things about Castran is at least I had a reason to talk to people. I still remember talking to um, Bill Campbell and. And he was kind of, uh, you remember that night when he came in, Jeff? I re- He never came into the restaurant, okay. so I remember hearing he was in the building. Yeah. No, he actually was on the platform in Quarks, the, uh, okay. the platform there. Then I don't so, know why I never saw him. Yeah, maybe you weren't there that night or something. That's very know. possible. Uh, or, or this was after your shift or something. Could have been. but Because um, it was late. It was really late. And I just, I you know... I wanted to talk to him about stuff, but I had nothing to fucking say. So I'm just digging around as Castran. And, you know, it's really funny because sometimes you can tell, especially the performers, they really want to ask you questions about the job. They want to ask you, you know, details and everything. And I think I kind of got that from him. 
is that he would have really liked for me to sit down so he could sit there. So how many hours a day do you do this? And what do you have to do? You know? Yeah. But um, it was... It now, was now, for the listeners, who is Campbell? Uh, Rocketeer. Okay. Yeah. So it was really funny, too, because for his, he had his hair long. Yes, I've never seen remember, him with yeah, his hair long. So I, I remember him in the like the interviews post Rocketeer. He had the yeah, hair long, and it and, was like, and, yeah. and it was just like, I, I remember like, at first I couldn't figure out who the fuck he was. So, but then then I, I was like, him. Ah. I know him. He was so. the outrageous Okana. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, at least that because I yeah. It's funny. I like to think I don't get starstruck, and I don't get starstruck in terms of. <laughs> Instead, I get you know cursed in Star Trek, which is I turn into this statue Star Trek? and stare. Cursed in Star Trek. <laughs> cursed in Star Trek, the experience. So you, 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 you statuesque yourself and you stare. I stare. Maybe that's what I did too. Yeah. Oh, just to make you feel weird. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I didn't realize it. Yeah. So, I think the coolest celebrity interaction I had working at the restaurant, uh, still at Hard Rock, was when Bruce Campbell came in and sat at the bar on a live band night. He was just sitting there by himself, just having a drink, and I put my credit card in front of his server so that man does not buy drinks in my bar. Nice. So, went over, shook his hand, and said, your drinks are on me tonight. Very cool. Good man. And he got a panicked look in his face. <laughs> he was looking for the door, too. <laughs> well, then, then he came back the next night. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> he was like, shit, I'm going to make good on this. So, yeah. gentlemen, before we go into what geeky things, oh. uh, we have a part two from our last live what? episode. Uh, John Hastings yes. sent us some cookies, Thin Mints. Yes, he did. And there was two boxes. That One says, for Todd. And the other one said, for everyone else. Right. Now, we have snacks on the show quite a bit. You probably hear them in the background. Thomas Bailey. Sorry. Thank you, Thomas Bailey. Yeah. (laughs) No, Thomas Bailey. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you. First first of all, awesome. Um, So there was the two boxes. That's right. I forgot about this. And so we had uh, we have snacks. Uh, Sometimes my wife makes snacks for us. uh, Wow, I did not hear snacks. And... (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, yeah, Tom Bailey. Yeah, we had sex, and I was like, <laughs> oh, you had okay, yeah. And so, sometimes my wife makes snacks for us after. <laughs> like, and I, you know, I actually I could totally see her doing that. You done b- banging a shock monkey, and she comes in the room with a platter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm done interrupting. So I, I never eat on the show. I, afterwards, whatever's left, I'll have some, but usually i got so much going on <laughs> that I don't eat. And so when the box for everyone else is like, oh, Thin Miss, I guess I get my own box. So it just sat here the entire show. And lo and behold, apparently I was supposed to open this on the show. You know what, what, what weirded me about the fact that you didn't open it was I picked up the box like after we were done recording, and I'm like, this is too heavy to be Thin Mints. <laughs> It is really heavy. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, I'm like, how did he possibly they're f- think they're thick mints. that this was Thin Mints? T-H-I-C-C. Thick mints. But anyway. Because when I'm doing the show, not uh, I'm, I'm talking, but I'm also running the board and got the notes. I've, I'm all Full of distraction. Oh, yes. my God. So I'm not, I'm not going to go, hmm, that's a little heavier than normal. Detective Torgo on the case. 
So here it is. I have four Todd Thin Mints, and I can see that the bottom has been taped. Oh. Uh, because the top still has the cardboard pull on it. Well, good job. So The man is sneaky. So Mr. Bailey, a fine job in disguising this in its original form. Let's, oh. oh, it's a book. Whatever. It's a book. Oh, well, hello. Oh, there's a note attached to the book. To serve man. <laughs> to serve. It's a cookbook. <laughs> it's a cookbook. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> Dear Todd, I hope this book finds you well. <laughs> a week later. <laughs> After Two meeting you later. at Scoop Fest and discussing Robert Jordan, I'd like to make a deal with you. Because I like this series so much, and I'd like more people to experience it, if you read and enjoy this book, I will send you the next one. Uh, your friend and loyal listener, Doc Scoop, a.k.a. Thomas Bailey from Fresno, California. Oh, shit. I shouldn't have mentioned that you had the name wrong. This would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, it probably would have slipped my goddamn mind anyway. All over the place, people. P.S. Thanks, Commander K, for facilitating this madness. Look at that. It is Robert Jordan's Eye of the World, the first book of yep. the Wheel of Time yeah. series. And as expected, lots of pages, yep. smallish print. That is one of the thicker paperbacks of that size I've ever seen. This is book one. And that book one, one is the smallest book of the series. That is the smallest <laughs> book of the series. Yeah. That one will yeah, only stop at 22. You, know, you need one of the other ones to stop the uh, 357. <laughs> Mr. Bailey, thank you so much. It's so much better than cookies through and through. It's a goddamn <laughs> awesome longer. book. It'll yeah, last longer. Until he yeah, stops recording, true. and then I'll be like, I wish it had been Thin Mints. <laughs> Thick Mints. Yeah, we uh, we pretty much killed uh killed our box by the time you the did. cast was over. I got over. like three cookies. Well, you <laughs> snooze, you lose. And I just and Matt had his own sleeve. I motherfucker. know. <laughs> I was gonna say you and Matt were like right there with the, the box of cookies, and I'm like, I guess I'm not getting any. Sad tear. <laughs> I put that fucking sleeve between us. I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> so yes, here it is. I guess I shall begin the Wheel of Time series. So next month's Book of the Month. <laughs> Speaking of Book of the Month, great segue, Kay. Thank you. We uh, didn't even finish what geeky things. We didn't even start what geeky things we did. We'll this get week. back to it. It's not going anywhere. All right. Andy's not here. We might as well revel in the chaos and uh, this, this organization a, that, you know. I was going to say, this will be a very non sequitur show. <laughs> <laughs> So usually the guys vamp for me when I'm doing shit. I got less guys to vamp for me now. Yeah, I mean, Jeff and I have no problem just sitting there letting you hang. Noted. <laughs> Noticed. <laughs> Noticed. You would be one of those co-stars that would just let him die on stage, go like, you know the next line? Yeah, really. <laughs> go on. Go on. The book club book for this month has been voted on, and it is... Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons by Patrick Rothfuss. Or as, or as you said in, in uh, the book club, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, did I completely misspell that? Yeah. Story of my goddamn life. <laughs> I'm writing this shit from the hospital. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited because, Jeff, I think you had a big influence on this one. Yeah. Because you were talking it up. I liked it a lot. When the poll was up. So There's some role reversals in there that were, you know, pretty interesting. Now, discussions 
for the book begin on the 8th, which is today. What? So now discussions have already opened up, but uh, join us once you have finished. There's no timetable on these books. If you got a book for the book club that you started months ago and you're just finishing next week, I want that review up there of what you thought of that book from a few months ago. Take your time with this stuff. This is a a no pressure book club. That's true. So no now, pressure. Now, gentlemen, Uh-oh. I didn't have a lot of time for geeky things this week, but maybe you did. What geeky things did you do? Well, two weeks ago, I saw Apollo Eleven. Well, it's because we didn't have a show last week. Oh, that's right. Okay. It was right before last week's show. I, oh, okay. I I watched it in order to have it ready for oh. next week's show, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, well, we rug all, ripped out. Yeah, well, no, there there were more important things to take care of at that particular <laughs> juncture. Uh, I saw the uh, Apollo Eleven documentary, uh, Neon Films, I believe, is the recent releasing company. Uh, this is a documentary for the fiftieth anniversary of the Apollo Eleven landing on the moon. Uh, this documentary contains a ton of footage Nudity. that no. <laughs> a ton of footage that has never been seen before. You uh, see a lot of moon. There were uh, the filmmakers were intentionally looking in the archives for little seen footage, stuff that had been, you know, shot but you know only used a few times or not used at all. And they discovered seventy millimeter print or seventy millimeter film that had never been developed that was shot during uh, the Apollo Eleven. It's crazy how that up. shit still gets found. Yeah. Derp. So, yeah. So when they ended up being able to develop it and scan it, it was the colors were pristine. Uh, very little color correction was necessary wow. in order to uh, make Ooh. this ready for... The only disappointing thing was that it has a limited IMAX run, and it didn't make it to IMAX here in Vegas. But uh, considering it was only shown for like four days, um, I caught it right at the right time. So you did see and it in IMAX. I did. Well, no, I saw it here in Vegas, oh, okay. but I didn't see it in IMAX. It's okay. Let's all pause a moment while Professor Big screams, Vegas doesn't have real IMAX. No, we do have one real IMAX theater. Just one. That's the all one right, at the Palms. Yeah. I'll let you two settle that when... Uh, <laughs> I'll tell him. Yeah. I, I, I know you will. <laughs> He'll show him. Yeah. <laughs> IMAX this. Indeed, I will. I'll give him another heart attack. 70 millimeters. <laughs> Oh, wait, it was, wasn't a heart attack or a stroke, was it? That's right. Yeah, fa- f- f- fake stroke. Get get well soon, Professor. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, it was amazing. I mean, because I, I am a space nut. Like, I have collected get and the read fuck out. space stuff for about stuff, NASA eh? stuff. You know, I, I've Star collected Trek. NASA books. I've collected... Books on the Apollo missions, Mercury, Gemini, the space shuttle, etc., for decades, and it was fascinating seeing footage that I had never seen before. And not only that, the quality of the footage was unbelievable. So yeah, it was it was quite an interesting experience. Nice. So I was very happy I got to see it in, in the theaters, and then I guess it's supposed to be out on. Um, Blu-ray later this year how long for, the, for home collecting. How long is the documentary? It's just over an hour and a half. I want to okay. say it's like an hour and 36 minutes or something like that. So it's still fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed it. 
And then the other geeky thing I did was I did see um, uh, Shazam, Shazam yesterday. Shazam! Golly! All right, uh, no spoiler talk, of course. No spoiler but, talk. Uh, your impressions, thoughts? Absolutely He's a kid. Ah. I'm such an asshole. Uh, I actually, I, I loved it. I, I really thought it was a great film. Um, I thought they did the character justice. I mean, you know, they made the, you know, the various changes that you would expect. You know, converting from the comic book to the screen. And, you know. Somebody put up a meme. Uh, All right, who would have thought? Aquaman and Shazam would be DC's. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe that's the secret because <laughs> with Marvel it, they what they had left was Iron Man. They didn't have their big players. Mm-hmm. That's that's who they had. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That is true. Iron yeah, Man it's... was was never I mean he was up there but he was never a super top tier right. until He was a West Coast Avenger. <laughs> Those fucking guys. Yeah, it, it's it is fascinating though. Uh, Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman—three fantastic films. Definitely with that kind of uh, hopeful look towards the future, versus the dark Snyder-esque take on Superman and Batman would turn out to be box office hits. Go figure. I, I don't know. I have to say though, I am very excited. For whatever Snyder has next, I think he has yeah. a a a crazy over the top uh, zombie movie coming up. I think Batista was just announced in it. Really? Yeah. Cool, dude. So, so I like Snyder films overall. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he, wait, he already did a zombie movie. What the fuck? Right. But I think this was going to have a whole different feel to it. That one's horror. This one I think is going to have more oh. of a o- over the topness because okay, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, was push some scary as yeah. fucking shit. So I came out of that theater th- convinced if it if a zombie apocalypse ever happens, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, I am. Fu- it, it's not even it a matter of running. Home. I'm just going to be looking around at the chaos, and I'm fucked. <laughs> well, you know, you just stop there and you, you stare when you see the celebrity yeah. zombie. So right, yeah. and then you turn as the guy jumps you, and oh Jesus Christ, and 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 dude. What what's this fucking Jim Jarmusch zombie movie? I'm sorry, huh? You guys didn't see that? I didn't. I thought I shared that with you guys. Cause I I was like, is this is this an April Fools? It's is it an April Fools? Will somebody please tell me? <laughs> Jim Jarmusch, okay, is doing a zombie movie, a deadpan serious zombie movie. Like he's directing it, or is yeah, he... directing. Wow, okay, it with like Adam Driver. And Bill Murray, and huh. Selena Gomez, oh, and so on and so forth. It's like oh, this list of. I saw something about that, but that's not the new Zombie Land. That's a no. whole different thing. It's Jim Jarmusch. Oh, Samurai Dog, uh, 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 Dead Man Walking. Jim Jarmusch. It's like. I'm in, 100%, checkmark. Yeah, on the one hand, it's like, why in the hell is he making a zombie movie? And on the other hand, it's like, oh my God, he's making a zombie movie. But it, but I found it on April 1st, so I'm still... But there's <laughs> a fucking trailer, dude. Doesn't matter. On April 1st, anything goes. I know. Yeah. But it's like, it'd be, Ameri- I mean, it, it'd be fucking amazing if he actually got those people in the trailer. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still like... <laughs> still don't know. No! No! <laughs> 
No, but it, it'd be, I mean. Monkeys it, tell truth. Is it real or is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Memorex. It's just like, it'll be amazing if uh, if it is. But um, it's, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Jesus. I mean, this is, you know, this is a picture of Jim Jarmusch, folks. This is yeah, what he looks like. Yeah, folks, you see it? Look, this is the look guy. At that this hair. is the guy for our viewers <laughs> see out, out there. there our listeners, <laughs> you know. So, uh, my my phone is dying, so I'm I'm losing uh, Jarmushness. Yeah, it's uh, extremely wicked. Uh, Jim Jarmusch's zombie movie, star-packed zombie movie like Dead, the Dead Don't Die. Oh, Jesus Christ! I, I mean, dude, I, it looks like it's fucking real. Oh my god, this is insane. Let me to plug that I'll in bet for a minute. Real. I'll bet it's super real and I'm super excited for it. Oh dude, it's gonna be fucking in- it's funny because it's like, you know, zombies. I mean, sure, zombie land, I'll watch that, you know. Uh but generally it's just like, oh god, this has gotten this is it's it's hit its vampire point, you know? It has. There is a saturation level. Yeah, and but damn, uh and this is somebody who loves and still loves zombies, but even yeah, I'm sure. saying like, yeah. Well, I'm you there. know, I'm not a big never. I'm a never say never person, uh, but at, at the same time, it's like, I mean, what the hell else can you do? Well, uh, apparently, you can jermush it. Did you know that Todd is a never say never again person? <laughs> yeah, this is true. You got it. You know, don't. That don't was do his it that favorite Bond time. movie for a lot of years. It wow. was. It really was. Wow. This is this is not a fake story. Not fake news. God damn it! I it. it Russell's my neck every goddamn time you say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that you know, so that's the ge- one geeky thing I did is I geeked out over that news. I, so, yeah, and you cascaded it over to me, so thank yeah. you. Yeah. So what you're saying is you didn't see Shazam this weekend? I did not see Shazam. Uh, I actually haven't. <sighs> I haven't even seen Captain Marvel again yet. But you saw I, it once. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So. We probably won't have spoiler talk for it next week just because we're getting Andy and Matt back, and I'm not sure Fuck if they them. would have seen it. They should have seen it by now. It. Andy has seen it? Yeah, he he actually chimed in on the lair. Uh, okay. He had his scream at the speaker moment because he totally disagreed with us on like the our judgment on the music and stuff. For Shazam? For Captain Marvel. No, I know that, but did you, see, did you know if he saw Shazam? Antecedents. Todd, you need to you need to establish what you're talking oh, about gotcha. with your pronouns. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if he's seen Shazam. What am mm. I? Andy's keeper? Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. So as I was <laughs> saying, I don't do know it? if everyone has seen Shazam yet, so we might throw spoiler cast an extra week after they come back. All right. Guess I'll wait. Okay. Anything else you do, geeky guys? Uh, I got. I, I watched the Rush rock documentary, the uh, Foo Fighters rock documentary, um, and that was kind of interesting. Uh, what else did I do? I did something geeky. I, I watched the the Motley Crue, uh, the Dirt on Netflix. Oh, that yeah, that, that just one showed was up. interesting. Uh, I also watched the YouTube video on the uh, movie versus reality, you know, things that they got right versus things that were made up for the movie. I mean, the movie says a majority of the time when it's like, this is something that happened, but it didn't happen in the way that you're seeing it. 
like some of the characters will talk to the screen and Motley Crue produced it and apparently they were on set for a lot of the shooting for okay. any kind of technical direction saying well this is what I would have done at that time so you know it's it's accurate in the sense that they said sure those things happen but maybe not in the actual sequence that you see in the film but it's a, it's an entertaining uh docu uh drama it was a hell of a read it. i read the book yeah. years ago uh, neil strauss i think is the author yeah neil strauss and the entire band wrote, co-wrote the book yeah that's that that was so yeah when i saw they were making that i'm like god damn the in the book the ozzy snorting ants scene yeah that's in the, that, okay. that's in the movie it's got to be that's, yeah. that's got to be it's like a showstopper Oh, I remember yeah. Tommy well, Lee. Well, it escalates from there. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Lee talking about being made to chaperone Osborne. And just like at one point he comes in the room and Ozzy's just smearing poop on the walls. And it's interesting to see Tommy Lee look <laughs> at the camera and go, I was like, okay, this is too much. <laughs> 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 you see that you see Tommy Lee go wow and you're just like yeah that's cosmically wow so but it was cosmically too much I like that cosmically wow <laughs> <laughs> cosmically wow man yeah it it was funny yeah, it's one of the more entertaining um dramas based on a a band's you know past if you want to call it that so well, I, there's there's few bands out there gotten just yeah. as much shenanigans as that yeah that tour they they were they were synonymous with trouble yeah when they were in their heyday in the you know mid to late night excuse me mid to late eighties and then somewhat into the early nineties yeah but uh, yeah proper I mean, hedonism and rock and roll yeah that is it no they I mean it's funny because they they're pretty blatant about say, you know admitting yes we did these things. In, in the interviews for this film and in the film it's still somewhat toned down because uh, because of ratings boards well I, oh, it's Netflix right so I, yeah it's, it's Netflix board. so I don't know why they toned it down per se other than perhaps it was made looking for a wider distribution and Netflix picked it up and you know it was what it already was meant to be at that point in time but um yeah, because there was there was an interview I watched with uh, on YouTube of Nikki Six talking about the film, and he was saying, "Yeah, we we cut a few things out in this particular scene because this this and this also happened." And you're just like, "Holy shit, that's way more." <laughs> I mean, it's fucked up in the movie, but that's way you know what he's describing about what this sequence of events happened was way more fucked up than what you saw in the movie. And so, yeah, it's uh. It's worth a watch. I'll give it that. Don't don't put any faith in it being historically accurate per se, but it's it's worth a watch. Well, I did find a little time this week to play Crackdown Three. So, Crackdown, the series that goes back to the original Xbox. Right. In fact, I think the big selling point of that original Crackdown was that if you buy Crackdown, you get a preview of Halo Two or something like that. Something like that. So that was the big sell. But if you haven't played Crackdown, you're basically a superhero cop 
who gets stronger as he does as he jumps and finds orbs and shoots people and makes things explode and completes tasks. Yeah, the tasks are real simple. Yeah, in exactly. fact, that's the thing with Crackdown is the game is not complex. There's no. barely a story there. There's a hierarchy of bad guys. You take out the lower tier ones to get to the higher tier ones. Kind of like the Shadows of Mordor kind of stole that a little bit. Made it better, but but took it from that. Uh, it was, and I say was because I beat it. Oh, did you? Yeah, over the course of two days. As I far was... as the campaign. There's also an online mode, but fuck that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, knew, I know you in the online mode. We're not going to happen. But. Yeah, but the campaign mode, I pr- I probably sunk about 10 hours into the game and it was done. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of disappointing. Uh, yeah. Although, you know what? When I was done, I was like, you, you know what? That was just the right amount of crackdown. Was it? Yeah. Okay. There you go. I, I wasn't like left wanting more, which probably should have happened. But I certainly wasn't going like, ah, oh, that was way too much. Uh but by the time I'd beat it, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this game. I'll have to check it out, see if it's got like a two-day rental or something. I'm really irritated because something popped up on Netflix and I watched it and I, I can't remember what the hell it was. It, what was it about? I, I, it Some geeky fucking thing, but I can't remember. <laughs> it was really funny because it was after that, a lot of it was the Rush documentary that just pushed things out of my head because that was actually mm. a really cool documentary. Oh yeah, that 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 one, I've I've seen a few Rush documentaries, but that one's really good. Too, yeah, the and one they and, have on there, and it just it just drop kicked whatever the fuck I watched beforehand. So the one that's on Netflix is Rush behind Beyond the Lighted Stage, right? Yes. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I also watched Rush Forty, which is their fortieth uh, year anniversary which is leading up to their final shows, which is also like ridiculously fascinating. Like all the stuff that they're going through, like, you know, should we really be hanging it up? You know, I feel like we've got a few more years in us, but then it's like, yeah, it's getting tougher and tougher to play these, all these shows and so forth. And, you know, it's a documentary about growing old. Well, no, but (laughs) what's interesting is like when they're getting to like the last couple of shows feeling like, Maybe we shouldn't just call it quits. This you know, like starting fun. to have second thoughts. Yeah, they're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. And is there a logistics? Is there a logistics to calling it quits? What about maybe just like, well, we'll see if we want to do this again yeah, in I five mean, years, and then you know, maybe ten years later, they're like, yeah, I guess we're we're not going to be getting back on stage again. I think what it comes down to is. If you're an arena rock band like they are, you know, you're used to playing these giant stadiums and those types of tours are a huge undertaking. So, I mean, a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of hours on the road, a lot of hours in airplanes, and it's just physically and mentally draining. But I think at a certain point, maybe they will start thinking about you know, maybe we do like a show in Vegas or, you know, a show in LA. Rush Residency. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Vegas is the new Branson. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. Oh. I mean, when Billy Idol came to town, I was like, fuck, I really want to go see him. And he was like, he had like four shows in a row. And then I guess he's not coming back till like July or something like that. Yeah. But Aerosmith's now has, has a residency yeah. today. Yeah. Starting today. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. 
And it's not even like the people that you think, oh, well, their their career's over. Like freaking Lady Gaga has a residency that she's, you know, she's going to be in town something like three months out of the year. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there throughout the entirety of it's this no year. It's no longer where you come here to die. Yeah. It's, it's I want to play a set number of shows. I don't want to do the whole big tour thing. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Gwen Stefani. Yep. It's just Santana, it's the one that kicked it all off. He's still yeah. doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, good on them, though, you know, getting to enjoy doing what they they do. And Hell yeah. Keep going. Damn it. I'm what? still, I can't remember. <laughs> I still, well, it's I'm, a good thing Matt isn't here because we'd have another half hour of Rush yes. talk. So <laughs> I'm glad we got it, that out of the way today. That was, it was, yeah, it was fascinating. The Foo Fighters was fascinating, too, I, because they talked about Cobain and then he talked about forming, you know, what he went through and and all the what he called the growing pains of a band that he said is all out in public because, you know, it's him. Uh, and and they were kind of they were kind of bare bones about that. They had a lot of they interviewed a lot of the people who, you know, started and left and weren't there anymore and stuff like that. But it was it was uh, it was fascinating. It was really fascinating. Yeah, that's when I still need to watch the Foo Fighters one. <clears throat> he's uh, he's uh, yeah, he's very interesting. I still he does this. There's this really quick clip on YouTube where he talks about how to write a pop song. And it's so good. Yeah, so it is because they just good. they sit there and they just you know he's like so uh, right okay your t-shirt says you know you're a truck driver so you you're a truck driver you're a truck driver you know and then you just do and then he's like bouncing around so you do three of these and blah 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 and then you come back this loop back this, and then you hit your refrain and you do another verse you know and some of the bits in uh, the doc it's the same thing uh there there's one song where chris novoselic from nirvana shows up to uh record something and he's like playing it and the producer like looks at um uh <clears throat> Grohl and he's like well there actually didn't the way you had it done is it was actually when and then Grohl just turns to Novoselic and he's like yeah it's actually C no C sharp to blah flat flat you know and he's like naming off chords and everything like that and then you just repeat that and Novoselic's like oh okay and you know then he plays it the the way they it, and it's it's it it's actually fun. It's fun to watch. It is so. neat watching those two interact because they have like such a shorthand yeah. with each other that you know you can tell that they've known each other for yeah for decades. Yeah, it, you know, and it's really funny because they he you know Novoselic shows up. He appears. I've I've done some research and him talking about. They never go deep into why why he isn't with Foo Fighters. They never really talk about it. And, yeah. you know, Dave just talks about coming across the other guys, and he's like, want to be in band? Well, he, yeah. and, he and Novoselic still, uh, Grohl and Novoselic still occasionally perform as yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. And, you know, Novoselic has Novoselic popped in. Yeah, will also in, join yeah. in Foo Fighters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I think it's, you know, I don't think they've ever specifically said, but I think from what I've gathered that, that Novoselic just kind of wanted to step away from the limelight and he's done a lot of producing and so forth that and i from what i looked up he's in a lot of small bands yes he you know it looks like nirvana and then it's boop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doop. it's like five other bands are listed afterward so oh another document i actually saw two documentaries about the same thing i watched the uh 
the Hulu documentary about uh, the Fire Festival. Oh, as well as the uh, the Netflix documentary on uh, the Fire Festival. Who so I, did I think, it better? Uh, actually, they're both fantastic, and they're slightly different uh, amounts of information released. Like one covers a little bit that the other one doesn't, and vice versa. Um, ironically, one of the parties involved in making the fire festival is uh, the, the Jerry Media was involved in producing the Netflix version of the documentary. Oh, interesting. So, so which is interesting. They bring that up in the. Um, they don't directly talk about it in the documentary itself, but they talk about Jerry Media as one of the defendants in the lawsuits that are ongoing about the Fire Festival. So I thought that was kind of an interesting decision to make to be involved in helping produce a documentary about something that you're getting sued for. But uh, I mean, they were pretty, most of them were pretty open about their involvement. Whether they were completely open about it, I don't know. But uh, it it's it's fascinating. I mean, both these documentaries are fascinating at the whole, you know, especially like the the public's take on it. It's like, oh, wow, a bunch of rich millennials got taken for a ride. It's like, no, this is more than that. This is this. Is, there's a bigger picture about influencers that are affecting, you know, the average person and saying, oh, this is something I should be interested in. And they don't always disclose when they're getting paid to recommend a thing. And in some cases, they're getting paid six figures to recommend something, which sometimes it's nothing more than a picture on their Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It really is. And both these documentaries cover that. So, um, But yeah, you, you know, I, I don't typically feel sympathetic for the, the rich when they get taken for a ride. But some of these kids weren't rich. Some of these kids just spent their savings on a once-in-a-lifetime thing that was sure a was. complete another fraud. It sure was. You know, it was being sold as one thing, and it ended up being a complete another wow. utter, utter fraud. Did it? Yeah. Did it? I mean, I haven't read up on all the details. Did it turn out to be anything at all? No. Or? None of none of the bands showed up. Um, I mean, but there was something there. People went someplace, yes, and yes, there were. Uh, Several hundred people that showed up to this area. They especially they basically went camping. Well, many of them had paid for like villas that didn't exist, and then when they got there, they saw you know the pictures that they had posted in the the media advertisements leading up to the festival were nothing like what the actual festival was. They had FEMA tents that were, you know, they got at rock bottom prices and mattresses that they threw on the floor oh it's it's you got to watch these documentaries it's It's ridiculously horrible i mean it's and then at one point one of the documentaries makes the point that they're saying that at at a moment that they were finally feeling that they were kind of getting under control checking people in and you know assigning them tents and you know trying to figure out where they're going to put people up and they thought okay maybe we'll make through you know, make it through today, and then we'll figure out what to do with the other, you know, several hundred people that are going to be flying in <laughs> tomorrow. Apparently, the, one of the guys is the co-founder of this thing, gets up on a table and just basically says, you know what, go find a tent and just grab a tent. And it turned into utter chaos. 
<laughs> and these they said these guys that had been working for hours trying to organize something that they had been telling for weeks leading up to this thing is like we shouldn't do this because there's no way this this thing is going to happen the way you want it to you know and just completely <laughs> wow. undid you know hours and hours worth of work that it you know becomes they a were, prairie land grab yeah, yeah exactly sounds sounds like a sounds like a, a suit yeah, oh, there's multiple lawsuits. Uh, there's a couple class actions. There's a few individual suits, and some of them Sweet. have already been completed, and some of them are still ongoing. But don't worry. Yeah, everybody will get extra time in the ball pit. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> the ball pit being a wading pool full of balls. No, no, no. In this one, it literally was the ball pit. You know, like the the spot in like the taint, <laughs> the taint, the taint festival. I, oh my god, I did, I did one thing. I'll remark on. Okay, <clears throat> there's a. Eh, what the hell is he? He's an improv comedy dude. He does something like. Uh, comedy school or something like that but he also has a uh, being a dm series on uh, youtube being a dungeon master and he had matt mercer on from critical role Mm -hmm. and uh, they were talking about building your own campaign settings stuff like that and it was really funny because this guy got sidetracked and I thought he was fucking around and joking because he made a comment of, "Yeah, there was this one thing we did at the the LARP summer camp," and he go, "And I'm just the 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 what?" And apparently, they had done he or he's done multiple uh, live action role play summer camps where the kids come in, and it's one of those experiences where you're you're role playing the whole time. So oh. the camp counselors are adults who are walking around with foam weapons and the kids have to plot and plan and and do puzzles and do dungeons and stuff like that. How fun. Yeah, and and it was uh and he's like we're doing things like we're trying to figure out how do you or how do we incorporate healing into snacks? So, you know, you can heal hit points when you have a snack. And have and, some Cheez-Its. And- yeah, you know, it, it, I, you know, it was really funny because he's talking about this. And I'm like, I thought he was doing an improv riff and just joking around, but he was apparently serious. And I was just like, what the, that's, wow. But it was like, it's a summer camp and it's a, it's a role-playing summer camp. God, I would have been so into that as a kid. Oh my, that, it was just, that was just, it was weird. It was weird to hear about. So that was a very fascinating, very fascinating discussion. If you search YouTube for Matthew Mercer, it should be one of the more recent, recent. <laughs> no, I like that. that. That word encompasses everything you wanted to Actually, say. Actually, yeah, it's kind of like Lappy, isn't it? It just sort of, yeah. it, it is uh, one it of the a- <laughs> more recent uploads. It's releasent. It's releasent. The releasent is about now. So, um, this is our most recent episode. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, god damn it. It's just it's still bugging you about that. Dude, one. it is fucking killing. I want to open up and Netflix you yeah, and, and you go through even, my history. You can't think of anything about it. To, I can't to think me of to- jack shit. Um, I, I do remember I, I, uh, I, I tried uh, whipping up some more Roger Moore Bond and. 
Guys, I don't know. I may have to go right to Timothy Dalton. Oh, I don't know if I can. It's suffering. God Almighty! It's just. Where are you at? I'm still trying to make Spy Who. No, no, no. Uh, for your eyes only work. Oh, so, I love that one. Uh, only for you. No. Uh, <laughs> you see what no one else can see. Oh my God! I just now I'm breaking free from your uh, eyes only. Yeah. No, I just. Uh, I'm looking at the you know the preview for a view to a kill and i'm like ah, do i do i even want to do this? oh wow i love so. view to a kill because it's just so awesomely bad i mean it's, that's the thing i've terrible. heard that it's terrible well it's christopher walken i mean it's that's all you really need to know about it. The, the big bad is christopher walken and he's i won't say he's at his most walken-esque but he's damn near up there <laughs> right right i i yeah so i don't know so I'm still trying to figure that out. Sadly. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> do it. What, do it. What I should do, do is when, uh, now that the online gig has kicked off with a new project and I'm working on that, I need stuff going on in the background. Hey, but I don't even know if I can. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Sob. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, First that. world problems. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, love, I love the Bond updates. This is Making uh, me happy. Well, yeah, when I have them. Unless they're not bondage updates. So. I think that leads us to news you don't give a shit about. It's so goddamn quiet. <laughs> did, did you want me to do the Andy uh, wine? Uh, don't worry. Because I don't want to. Dude, <laughs> he, he's going he's gonna to release pent up blah, next week that's just guaranteed to be annoying as hell. So don't worry he's, about He's going to start and it's going to end with one of those like smoke snakes that you get during the 4th of July mm. coming out of his mouth. You see, mouth. unlike Andy, I have to mentally prepare myself for news you don't give a shit about. This is why, you know, I don't usually say much leading from one segment into the what, other. Wait, you're, you're stealing yourself for the yes. pain? You're, you're building the walls around yes. you? I'm stealing myself for Andy's ongoing <laughs> It's yeah. just like, it. Yeah, I... I really hope you can punk him next week. That'll be great. The time you punked him that one time was really great. <laughs> News, you, uh, what the hell? We can geek. <laughs> no, no, he, he, he totally got him. Yeah, it was just uh, News, you, we can geek. And he was just like, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> News, you don't give a shit about Snapchat is adding more original content. You could have just stopped at Snapchat. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Snapchat. Anything I, that follows, you don't give a shit about. Moving on. <laughs> the social media platform announced it will launch 10 new episodic series at Snapchat's Snap Partner Summit. Of the 10 new series, six will be scripted projects, which include a handful of sci-fi and horror shows. Uh, there's Denton's Death Date, a comedy where everyone knows the exact day they'll die. Stranded with Sam and Colby, which... Finds a pair of influencers stuck in a haunted house. Influencers. Commanders, where a powerful old computer is used to disrupt high school social cliques. And the zombie survival horror Dead of Night. Along with the new additions to the lineup, the platform also renewed its existing series, Endless Summer, Deep Creek, and the Dead Girls Detective Agency. I'm kind of on board with that first one, though, as a concept. Uh, Denton's death date, where everyone knows the exact moment of their death. Hmm. That, 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 I mean, I, not a new concept, but I think one that can still be mined for good things. 
All right. Not necessarily on Snapchat, but... On what? Apple TV? Sure. (laughs) Fucking Apple. (laughs) Easy. You know, Matt's not here, so... The thing with the Snapchat shows, and I'm not sure I haven't seen them, but I assume as much, is it most likely follows the philosophy of its medium, whereas these are really short episodes. So scripted for about five, ten minutes, maybe. Don't know, don't care. <laughs> this Jeff is so it's dialed out from the, that moment. He was out. All right, here we go. News you don't give a shit about. Maybe this All one. right. The Jim Henson Company has announced that Amazon Prime Video will have 2,500 hours of classic programming from the company available on the platform. This includes The Storyteller, The Webulous World of Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose Stories, and all 96 original episodes of Fraggle Rock. What about The Muppet Show? Uh, No mention? No, no mention. Bastards. Uh, The bad news, uh, none of it will be available to Prime Video members in the U.S. Uh, Of course. (laughs) Due to other licensing deals, these titles are only available to U.S. viewers via other channels. The previously mentioned titles, though, will be available in 67 different territories, including Canada, U.K., there you go, Chris, Australia, there you go, Mandy, New Zealand, and the Nordics, Not just not the U.S., um, what U.S.-based Prime Video members will have access to is Fraggle Rock, the animated series, Plus specials, Doozer Music, Fraggle Songs, The Song of the Cloud Forest, Living with Dinosaurs, Lighthouse Island, and Monster Maker. Uh, Pajanimals will also be available on the Prime Video platform in the U.S. Those are the, the prime ones we get in the U.S. from Henson. You know, not this specifically, but it really makes me want to get a VPN and just spoof my location there to, you go. like the uk i mean hell i could watch freaking uh star trek discovery for free on netflix right. if i spoofed uh, that we were in the uk you're absolutely right god damn tortuga man <laughs> you yo ho yo ho set sail my friend set sail. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny every time you say tortuga i think of that stupid lonely island with uh uh Oh, fucking hell, what's his name? Uh, the bald guy with the long hair? Yeah. Well, it used to be. Bald Michael. guy with the long when, hair. When they're performing with Michael Bolton and oh, he's doing yeah. the, yeah. Uh, this <laughs> is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow. Because <laughs> there's a line in where he goes, Isle of Tortuga. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Look it up. Michael Bolton and the Lonely Island. It is glorious. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, the song itself is amazing, but the video drives it. Yes, the video is amazing. In an unrelated note, uh, Geek Shock will be releasing its its own pirate torrent called Lonely Iron. Lonely Iron? Lonely (laughs) Iron? Island. I got distracted. My wife is on die. Well, yeah. (laughs) She's a sweet guy. No platter, though. Weekend Geek! Ah, wait, I got a banana splats. Oh, hit me, hit um, me with some splats. Steve's little story about his Call of Cthulhu game. Ah. Very, uh, very cool. Very cool. He's been building up to this thing, and they, it's, uh, they apparently they're, the, the, the investigators are working for Frankenstein's monster, and Ooh. he's doing all this great universal tie-in shit, and it's just like, way to go, Steve. It's, it, you know, at some point, 
just reading that, I'm just like, dude, you kind of need to get ready to pitch that or yeah. something because because your players are going to break it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I have two words for you, man. Sparkle Maine. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I uh, did you uh, you didn't see that? Um, uh, Barry actually uh, threw up a post on his uh, our thread for the for the game saying he's going to be here in august yeah and i uh, to run the game again continue on continue on and i was like good because we need to make sure sparkle main got to safety and he's like you can be assured sparkle main is safe he's no longer in the the at dead con no longer in the underdark and i i do all caps but we have to be sure <laughs> and you need to you know you for me for me yeah. please just make just the quest of sparkle. Well, it's so funny because he did not answer, and Barry not answering, Barry, <laughs> you know, uh, not rising. That that says a lot. So he's probably just like <laughs> fuck you and that fucking unicorn. <laughs> just absolutely awesome. And in case you're not following what we're talking about, Barry has been running this epic campaign that he wrote, and as a throwaway thing. It, it takes place at an evil convention. Yep. A convention of evil, all with panels, and like you see at a comic convention. And at one of the panel, they were going to, the winner was going to get to eat eat a unicorn. Yeah. That was the, the big prize. Yeah. It was just like a throwaway joke. And then the next sessions just became rescuing that unicorn, <laughs> ignoring the entire Cause, rest cause, of Barry's adventure. We won. <laughs> we won the contest. So the unicorn was going to be served up to us. And so we were like, well, we, you know. He wanted to throw you a moral quandary. Yeah. Well, actually, no. He just did a joke. It was just a, ha, ha, you're going to eat the unicorn. Uh. And, and we're, uh, well, especially like Paulette, whose chaotic, evil paladin character was just like, we have to save the unicorn. It was just sort of like, what the, what the hell is going on in this world? You broke my brain with chaotic, evil paladin. Yeah, but. well, yeah. We're in Weekend Geek. News should give a shit about. I, I, I andied myself. You did? <laughs> Weekend Geek. Julianne Moore will star in the title role of Lizzie's Story, the latest Stephen King novel to be adapted to the screen. The 2006 book will be turned into an eight-episode limited series for Apple TV's soon-to-be-rolled-out streaming <laughs> service. King himself will write all eight segments. Wow. Right? While J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Company will handle production, directors for the series have yet to be named. Lizzie's story is one of King's more personal books. Follows a woman who is still grieving after two years over the death of her husband, a famous novelist. She begins to learn secrets about him that she never knew or had repressed, including his dark family heritage and his ability to transport himself to a strange land of monsters called Booyah Moon. Help, help, I'm being repressed. <laughs> King and Abrams have teamed up before for the Hulu series 11-22-63, as well as the anthology show Castle Rock. I still have that in my Hulu queue, and I haven't watched it. 11-22-63. Castle Rock? Oh. Actually, that, that I have one, Castle Rock, too. Okay. Eleven twenty two sixty three. I did see that. that did you? was a really good translation That's of that book. what everybody told me, and I'm like, it's oh, it's in there. I plan on watching it, but then I get distracted with other Your things. Your goddamn wheelhouse. It's all time travel. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and that's, that's, that's why... That's where Jeff lives. That's why I'm, like, surprised. I, I just keep getting distracted by other things. And Honestly... That, ain't that the truth. If it's Netflix or Hulu, 
if it's in my queue to watch, yep. it's never going to be watched. Yep. Because I'll go on to Hulu and there'll be like some bright, shiny new thing. And like, oh, that sounds interesting. Play I never now. touch my cue list. It's stupid. Why am I? Why do I? I don't put anything on the fucking list anymore. Because well, it's like, well, I'll definitely not see it now. And what pisses me off is I have gone on there. I've gone on Netflix specifically to watch something in my queue. Going, you know what? I've got an itch to watch this thing. And fucking Netflix and the way that their algorithm works where they throw up things you might be interested in at the very top of it is i'm like as soon as the you know the menu screen flashes up it's like oh that looks interesting more info fuck play now mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 you're what in. happens to me when i go on netflix you're in anyway fathom events have revealed that what we left behind looking back at star trek d space nine will screen in theaters across the u.s on may 13th Tickets will go on sale April 12th, and the two-hour, ten-minute documentary screening will be accompanied by a roundtable discussion on the making of the documentary. Uh, no further details have been confirmed. Thank you, Shock Monkey Elizabeth, for bringing this to my attention. And yes, this is what we were talking about before I hit record on the show. <laughs> so, so we've looped it. We're here now. Glad to be back. A little Jeff time travel for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, we lost some people in the last couple weeks. Uh, Seymour Castle passed away at the age of 84. Castle appeared in horror anthologies like The Twilight Zone, Tales from the Dark Side. He also played the role of Cancelled, one of the henchmen of Colonel Grum, Colonel Gum in the 60s Batman series, as well as Lieutenant Commander Hester Delt in Star Trek The Next Generation. On the big screen, he played eager crime fighter Sam Ketchum in Warner, Warren Beatty's 1990 Dick Tracy feature film. And he was nominated for an Academy Award in 1968 for his role as Chet in Castavetti's Cinema Verite Faces. And while he lost to Jack Albertson, he did win the National Society of Film Critics Award for his performance. More recently, Castle became recognized as the prominent role in a trio of Wes Anderson movies, Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Also... We lost Nadja Regin. She passed away at the age of 87. Nadja appeared in two Bond films, From Russia with Love in 1963 and Goldfinger in 1964. Regin's character was a lover of Bond's Istanbul-based ally, Karim Bey, in uh, From Russia with Love. And in Goldfinger, Regin played femme fatale Bettina in the pre-title sequence. Hmm. Also, we lost... Tania Mallet, the English model and actress best known for her role as Tilly Masterson, also Goldfinger, 1964 James Bond film. She died. She was 77 years old. She's the one that got hit with the with the razor hat. Is it spelled T A N I A? Uh, is what spelled what the who? You said her. You said her name was Tania. Tania T A N I A T A N I A. I've heard that's also pronounced Tanya. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Could very well be. It's one of those. It's one of those where the, there's multiple spellings for the name Tanya, mm, and I came across that one, and I'm like, "That's a weird name." And then like, it's Tanya. Really? This is Tanya. This yes. is not at all what I would think you would spell Tanya, T- but it's it's probably Tanya. Tania by the wood. That's her her full name. By the wood. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Tania Shane, the uh, lesser known Canadian country singer. Yeah. 
Also, we lost award-winning journalist, novelist, screenwriter Alan Cole. Passed away at the age of 75. Cole was best known as the co-author of the Sten Chronicles, a series of sci-fi novels he penned with his writing partner, Chris Bunch. The eight-volume series, which debuted back in 1982, became a worldwide hit, selling more than 10 million copies around the globe. Along with Bunch, who passed away in 2005, the two also wrote more than 150 television screenplays, including episodes of Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, The Incredible Hulk, and The Smurfs. The two also wrote the fantasy series The Far Kingdoms and the historical novels The Shannon Trilogy. Those, those are who we've lost. Well, God bless him. Sure. Thank you for your... What would you say? Contribution, Con- your service? Contribution's yeah. good. You know? Service, maybe. Contribution's uh, contribution. better. Contribution mm-hmm. to our past. Yeah. To our pop culture enjoyment. To our collective unconscious. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about Buck Rogers in a while. I have the Blu-ray set on, on the shelf over there. How many seasons did that run? Two. Two? Two? Yeah. I two. thought it went longer than that. No. No. And the, uh, the second one, they really fucked oh, with yeah. success, so to speak. I mean, they were doing okay, and they just came, They just went <laughs> right in. Threw it out and, the window. The window. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just changed a whole bunch of shit, and Gil Gerard, he had to fight to keep Aaron Gray. Yeah. What? Yeah. They, okay, so season one of Buck Rogers, you know, He's he's frozen, gets thawed, okay. returns to Earth in the 25th century. So a lot of the series is these alien races that are you know becoming known to humanity, and he's kind of in you know the side thing is he's teaching them about his time period, and you know there's so much of the Earth that is not habitable anymore, and so forth. And you know it's it's a lot more action adventures, star you know star battles and so forth. Then you move to the second season for a, some unknown reason. They have a ship now that looks a lot like the Discovery from two thousand and one. Okay, called the that was this the Searcher. I it's got a weird name. Anyway, yeah. so their whole thing is to go out and seek colonies of humanity in space or something like that it's so weird just it's like the really Imperium bizarre. of man in warhammer 40k <laughs> so so they're literally on this ship going nowhere it seems um okay. they bring they essentially the entire first season cast is cast away like they're, they're all gone except for him and aaron gray and tweaky and, and then and everyone else is new. Yeah. For Aaron Gray. They didn't want her back. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not doing this. I think I think he finally if did re- just yeah. put it down and say, I'm not doing this without her. And yeah, season I mean, two was just like. It, and it was so weird because it wasn't like they had to. Because everything yeah. I read or I, there's actually a, a documentary. Uh, I saw some making of special or something where they talked about it. It I'll wasn't even like budget cuts. You no, know that's, how... That's my first thing my brain goes to. Is this yeah, a cost cut? It, it's measure? like all the planets look like the universal back lot yes. because of budget cuts. It wasn't even because of that. It was just like they came in and they just started changing the formula of the show. But it does feel like budget cutty. Like It felt like... They just decided, well, well, it's like uh, season three of Star Trek where the majority of the episodes take place on board the Enterprise because 
you know, they don't want location shoots, which cost more money. Um, but it feels like everything takes place on the searcher and they're just boring stories. None of the stories are really that compelling. Yeah. yeah. The only thing cool out of season two is Hawk. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the bird dude. You know what? I never saw. I, I can't remember a full episode of Buck Rogers. I had friends that watched it, mm-hmm. friends that had the toys, for God's sake. You're welcome to watch my set sometime. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Come on, delve into a little but bit of your past. what little memory I have of this show is what you're describing in the second season. So I, You might yeah. have only seen the second season. You yeah. should really see the first season. Yeah, the first season is, is yeah. I don't know. You know what they need to do? Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon, probably uh, Buck Rogers, dead serious with nary a fucking wink or a nudge. Get Zack Snyder know? right yeah. now. Yeah. And just, just <laughs> I gotta make it thanks really for killing dark. that pitch, Todd. <laughs> Jesus. All right. We're going to take Buck Rogers, make it really, really dark. Yeah. Just like dark well, fish like, out of water. It's like post apocalyptic world. You got your dome cities and they're fighting and they're on their last legs against a, a, a alien civilization. And, you know, this guy who's frozen gets pulled out of suspended animation. And there's something, there's something about that. That triggers this last minute, you know, resurgence where humanity can actually save itself and and make that the series. Because there's an old dude. What? Because there's an old dude. An old dude? Yeah. Buck Rogers is from the older time. Oh, uh you, are so you saying like he, you really don't want this to work? <laughs> he has you? a different perspective on things. <laughs> Jesus, it's like I want to pull the studio exec aside and can I talk to you about this later? <laughs> Todd, can uh, you go get some sandwiches? It's like a dark demolition man. But I'm telling you, dude, deadly serious. Just, just, just not, not the the slightest little wink, wink. Or nudge, nudge, and and I think that they could actually have something there. It could actually could actually be cool, and you know they could even make Buck a I don't uh, a black lesbian. Just you know, <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah, <laughs> on board. So, but you know, just get just, it on with Twinkie. As long Absolutely. as they don't resurrect that theme. <laughs> no, that theme needs to be in it. <laughs> and the whole rolling... Aaron Gray was funny talking about that because apparently the those light panels yeah. would get hot uh-huh. and they're like rolling around on these light panels and it's like they're getting hotter and hotter and it's like, can we finish this fucking shot? And <laughs> I was in my 30s when I first finally heard the theme with the lyrics because... I did not see, at least in the Midwest, that opening sequence as it was shot with the theme where they're rolling around on the light panels and so forth for that first episode, for the pilot episode. Uh, we were shown the one with the, the peppy... Dun, 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 right. dun, I don't think that... Dun, dun, it, dun. Yeah, it didn't last long, did it? No, the, I think it was the, only in that pilot episode with the, the lyrics. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's... How I knew it, and I was in my probably early thirties when I found out for the first time that wait, there's lyrics to that song. 
Yeah. I have to hear this. And then I listen to it and I'm like, I have to unhear this. <laughs> well, at least it, it it's not like when you when you hear or read. I don't know if you even can hear the Star Trek original series right. lyrics. Uh, you know, you hear the Tenacious what's D What's interesting, right. <laughs> that I'll listen to. The first time I heard the lyrics was... Uh, sung by Nichelle Nichols at one of the conventions I went to. Oh, Nichelle. That was that was rather interesting. I'll listen to that. She sang that. I will listen and to I that. I think that I have to go back to the, the Buck Rogers theme, even though we haven't really left it. <laughs> the guy singing that theme is terrible. He's like real pitchy. And, Far beyond and he's the not really world on, I see. He's not really on key through most of it. Far I mean, beyond the stars. Oh, my God. Okay, that was spot on. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I've got like, you know, I've learned from Paul. I've got like two <laughs> characters. I just modify <laughs> them, and that's my repertoire. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Congratulations on uh, Pittsburgh Churnout, by the way. Oh, yeah, Apparently man. That was a monster hit, Woo-hoo. so way to go, guys. Indeed. Westworld's Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan are leaving HBO and heading to Amazon after signing a nine-figure four-year overall deal. Nine figures? Nine figures. That's a hundred, at least $100 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The pair will remain as writers and EPs on Westworld for the life of the show. That means if Westworld is renewed beyond the upcoming season three, which is in production, they'd stick around instead of leaving like few other showrunners have done in the past after swapping overall deals. The pair's next project, at least for Amazon, looks to be an adaptation of William Gibson's The Peripheral, uh, which they've been developing with a script-to-series commitment. And Westworld's third season will likely air in 2020. So, yeah, hell of a deal. My yeah. God. I didn't realize that there were nine-figure deals. I wow. know. Well, Jonathan Nolan's produced some pretty good stuff. I mean, you know, he... Westworld's good. Westworld's good. Uh, the show Person of Interest that I used to watch on on TV was really good. Um, I'm, I'm totally blanking out. Those are the two that pop right into my mind and then i just lost the other ones i was gonna say but i mean yeah his production company's doing well amazon is buying themselves some goddamn talent yeah i'm i'm waiting for the big unleash because that still it feels like amazon is, is a just amazon prime video is a gestating monster because amazon yeah. itself is a gestating monster when it gives birth they're coming out punching yeah. I mean, well, since Bezos' divorce isn't quite as painful as the, everybody thought it was going to be, maybe he can afford to pay six figures for for prime talent. Amazon Pardon can, the pun. can afford it all. Yeah, no well, Especially when they get that influx of Inquirer dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, topical. In a mysterious bit of behind-the-scenes hiring... Disney is reportedly filling positions for the newly awakened Lucasfilm Games publishing brand. And no one outside the company truly knows what's going on. Uh, Lucasfilm Games, which eventually was absorbed into the LucasArts brand it helped create, was around from the earliest days of console and computer gaming. From Labyrinth to Indiana Jones to Star Wars, Lucasfilm Games 
put out dozens of game titles from the George Lucas movie-verse for Nintendo, Sega, Commodore, Atari, and more Sega in the mid to late 80s and early 90s. Lucasfilm Games is the original place where Star Wars and other Lucas-created franchises got their start in gaming. Also worth noting that most of the Star Wars games people love from the mid-90s onward were published by LucasArts, not Lucasfilm Games. EA Games acquired licensing rights for the new Star Wars games following Disney's buyout of Lucasfilm in 2012, for better or worse. EA has been synonymous with the Star Wars game-verse ever since. Uh, recently, EA's handling of its Star Wars license has sparked a bit of outcry, especially with its decision to abandon the uh, ambitious, long-developing Star Wars adventure game to focus solely on the upcoming Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, that move, reports PC Gamer, may lie at the heart of Disney's decision to ramp up new activity for Lucasfilm Games, although the same report does note that Disney appears to have been staffing the company as far back as 2017. Uh, one thing it's not doing, at least not yet, is stepping in to take over the Star Wars game or games that EA has in the works. Uh, though little is known about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, that title still appears to be on track to release sometime this fall. Uh, so far, Disney's hiring focus at Lucasfilm Games has reportedly centered more on publishing and marketing side of things rather than on actual game development. Hmm. It's kind of strange to see this old game company resurge in this new Disney era. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Disney doesn't have the money to sure. put together... But Disney goddamn got out of games. Yeah, altogether. They, yeah, they at one, uh, one day, it, uh, I remember listening to Giant Bombcast when it happened. It was like, um, Disney decided it doesn't want to do games anymore, shoveled out all its license to the highest bidders, and said, I'm out. They're apparently working on a really cool Pirates of the Caribbean role-playing game when it happened. Something like that, yeah. And That would have been cool. Yeah, I was kind of excited about that. And then I wonder no if mas. they've just been secretly not happy with the product that's being put out under license. I don't think and, it's secretly. I think they're not well, happy. Is EA dying or, you know, am I just... Uh, EA at, is not dying. EA but is... But they're certainly not doing themselves any favors with all the controversies they've been involved in. Sure. Um, Apex Legends, I think, is theirs. Uh, that's uh, part of the Battle Royale free-to-play games that are out there, Fortnite being the king of. Okay. Right. Uh, Apex right. Legends is them trying to go, hey, we can do it too. Uh, I've, I've played a little bit of Apex Legends. It's all right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't speak to me. It's Well, Fortnite alone. Sure. Is, uh, 250 million people, registered people, play Fortnite. Yeah. I, 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 Prince I, Harry hates Fortnite. Yeah. I. What the... What the fuck is that all about? His whole beef with it is like, and he, he's not entirely wrong, although it's weird that he chose Fortnite as the focus of this. He says that game is built to be addictive. Oh. And, and, and that's why he doesn't like it, because mm. it's, it's built as a dopamine button. Uh, but, but most of the free-to-play games out there are dopamine buttons. I, mean, I, should, I should actually get into that. Yeah, the dopamine button on World of Warcraft wasn't hitting my button very well. I still feel bad, but um, yeah, okay. I it's so funny that that almost explains things. Is I I remember a YouTube video. This little girl, I don't know, four, five years old. Maybe she was six. She was she was a little girl, and she's crying. And the mom is recording it on the camera, and she's like, "Honey, why are you crying?" And the girl's like, "Me." 
she's like, why are you crying? And the girl's like, Fortnite? And their mother's like, you leveled up in Fortnite? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, why are you crying? And the girl just could not articulate why she was crying. She was so fucking happy. Oh, wow. She actually was so overcome, she couldn't stop crying. <laughs> it was just so goddamn funny. And I'm just, you know, and I, I hear people talking about it. I occasionally see people playing and, I, I you know... My impression is it's an online experience, so naturally Kirsten's like, fuck off, I'll just hear the stories. But that's uh, that's interesting. So, dopamine button. Yeah. Sort of like spiking the cigarettes with nicotine. Or, sure. I don't know. You know, fentanyl in the heroin. Yeah. Um, okay. that's, that's, that's Fortnite is fentanyl in the harem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fentanyl in the harem? <laughs> that too. Ooh. Now that, boy, talk about addictive. (laughs) Netflix has announced it's acquired the rights to release The Wandering Earth. The Chinese sci-fi blockbuster touted as the country's first mainstream sci-fi hit on par with the production quality of a Hollywood tentpole. Helmed by Frant Guo, The Wandering Earth has been a financial hit since hitting the theaters back in February 5. February 5. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, that's how I, I like speak how, now. I like how you look in the direction of Andy's chair. I was trying to figure out February of 05. 2000. February 5th. 15. Yeah, yeah. 2015. That should read February 5th. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Chinese New Year. So <laughs> far, <laughs> so far, the film has earned a whopping $558 million in its first two weeks of release, making it the second highest-grossing movie ever at the Chinese box office. Nice. And Netflix hasn't issued a release date for the film, but considering the streaming giant doesn't operate in China due to local regulations favoring homegrown streaming services, it marks a major acquisition for the U.S. streaming service. Uh, adapting the sci-fi story The Body's Problem by Hugo Award winner uh, Liu Cixin. The uh, laundry body problem. No, the this says the body's problem. Is that is that the name of the trilogy? Maybe, maybe so. The Wandering Earth follows humanity's efforts to save itself in the face of certain annihilation from the sun by moving Earth's inhabitants to another celestial home. What are you looking for, Kay? What are you, what are you searching there for? What you, what? I'm gonna research this. <laughs> okay. Damn it. He's gonna research the shit out of this. While you're gonna... looking for that three-body problem. Yeah, well, I'll just look for the body's problem because I have it on uh, a reliable source <laughs> that that's uh, that's the title. So prob- it's probably probably going to take you to WebMD. Prob- <laughs> <laughs> well, so long as it doesn't take me to that. Ooh, the three bodies problem by three body problem. What? Damn, my my my. My Google auto-corrected it. <laughs> maybe that's my problem. Did you mean? Maybe, maybe I got auto-corrected the body's problem from three-body problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I can hardly wait till Andy's back. <laughs> All right. So, so that he can uh, stall while you look up things? Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well. Although Andy never tries to stall. He just does it. That's just his nature. Kirsten just misses the funny. (laughs) 
<laughs> we desperately need it. Wah. Look, I'm not seeing a the body's problem, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Remembrance of Earth's past. I believe that I, is... I can't imagine why. I, I don't think I've ever made a mistake in my notes before. That's true. Never. You know? What the hell's going on? So... Uh, so, uh, three by so I'm going to move on to the Walking Dead showrunner, Greg Nicotero, is yeah. joining the new version of Creepshow, the anthology series coming to Shudder to direct the Stephen King story Grey Matter. Uh, Nicotero will tackle the 1970s story adapted by writers Brian Willinger and Philip de Blasi with Giancarlo Esposito, Tobin Bell, and Adrian Barbeau starring in the project, oh. which will debut later this year. Gray Matter will function as the series premiere for Creepshow. The story focuses on two small-town elders, Doc and Chief, checking on an alcoholic single dad because, according to his freaked-out son, something's terribly wrong. And yeah, there definitely is. This is Barbeau's return to the series after starring in the original's segment The Crate, which is just one of the ways the new version plans to pay homage to the original. I have to say, I mean, I'm a big horror fan. I have not subscribed to Shudder because I don't want to subscribe to another streaming service. Right. As awesome as they are. But Creep Show might get me on board. Right. Oh, dear. There, there's just that, that special show each one of these goddamn things are getting. Mm-hmm. And Greg Nicotero directing Stephen King for Creep Show. Yes. Yes, please. Thank you. I Especially mean, if he's adapting a goddamn story from Night Shift. As aggravating as it is, I was thinking about it the other day. If you just have a little patience and wait until the entire series is up, you can sign up for a month and in some cases a free trial sure. for a lot of these. You know, binge the stuff that they have and since there's no contracts, cancel it. And then if you feel like it, go back to it, mm-hmm. you know, a few months later and that's so, going to be the mo going forward. For, yeah, for me at least, because even until when they come up with minimum contracts, even one of my cord cutting blogs that I was reading the other day basically said the same thing. It's like, look, pick and choose what you want to watch, find out what streaming service it's on, you know, take it for you know a month or two, get everything off of there that you want, and then cancel it. I still and then move on to the next thing. There's money to be made. I, in I, an I, app. I edited that out last time. Don't make me do oh, it again. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I, that was requested to be edited out because someone actually here wanted to run with it. <laughs> so I'm stopping you right now before there. I have to do some shit. <laughs> <laughs> this year, next story. This year, Nintendo plans to release two versions of its best-selling Switch, possibly as early as this summer, that would change up the console for specific kinds of gamers. The first version would be an enhanced, beefed-up version to play games at higher qualities, though without specs to compete with the PlayStation 4 Pro or Xbox One X. The second would be a cheaper, more handheld-oriented version that would be for those looking for the ultimate casual experience or to replace their decade-old 3DS. Nintendo has long dominated the mobile market until smartphone gaming took a huge chunk of the industry. Maintaining sales momentum of their hit Switch by targeting different customers is the goal of the release, which will sustain the company's third year. The Switch has been a big hit for the company, with great console sales and first-party games to drive it. 
With new Pokemon, Fire Emblem, and Animal Crossing games on the way, the new console's likely announcement will be at E3 in June. So they're announcing a Switch that's better graphically, but not as good as what's currently out on other consoles, or a new 3DS Switch. Oh, Nintendo. But you know what? Nintendo only... You get a Nintendo to play Nintendo games. Yes. There, there's it, it, Third party doesn't even enter into it. But see, this is them again attempting to try to catch the professional, or the not the professional, but the, the more hardcore gamer with the, the upgraded console. But hardcore gamers look at it as, you know, a kid's toy. It's like, eh, I'm not, you know, if I want to pl- get a Switch, I'm going to get a Switch to play you know, Mario, and I'm going to get Switch to play Zelda, and that's it. So why would they want to spend the extra money to get the upgraded system when it really only gives you, from what that's saying and from what I've read on my other tech blogs, slightly better graphics? Like, essentially, possibility of pushing 4K, but not at any kind of frame rate that's going to really, you know, compete with what the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X already do. This release doesn't sound like it's for anybody that's already bought a Switch. Yeah. This sounds like, hey, you haven't gotten a Switch yet? Yeah. Why didn't you get it? Was it because it's too expensive? You want more of a cheaper experience? We got that. Or did you not get it because it's not so graphically capable? Well, now we have this version too. So why don't you come join the Switch team? Switch hit. Yeah. No. No? Okay. That's funny. Switch was, hitter, get it in conjunction with your Tinder. <laughs> I was just talking to one of my coworkers the other day about the Nintendo Switch, and they were talking about the game they were playing, and I'm like, so other than that, what would I want to buy a Switch for? And they rattled off a few other games, and I'm like, okay, so there's five games to buy a Switch for. Yeah. Only five games that I should buy the Switch for. Well, they're good yeah, games. Yeah, they're good games, though. Exactly. And I'm like, but it's only five games. And once I'm done with these five games, are there going to be more games that I'm going to want to pay? I mean, I need to justify my investment here. Whatever. Nintendo hasn't spoken to you in over a decade. In over a decade. I remember when I bought the original Wii and got it home, and it was fun for about a week. And then I was just like, I have no desire to play this system ever again. Yeah. Because, I mean, the titles on it were, were it, a joke. They, they shoveled a lot of crap onto that system. Yeah. Just and, to play with the gimmicks, but they weren't games. They were more well, they were gimmicky experiences. That's and then the were. Wii U was even more gimmicky because you had that one controller that had the screen on it, but you only got one. And everybody else had to deal with the regular controller. So, yeah, it was... Uh, Is that... Is that Andy sending something? Speaking of Andy sending something, we of course every every week before we do the show, we throw out the call times of when everyone's to arrive for recording. You know, very professional. And this week, Andy responds with a picture of him looking scared in a tattoo parlor. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, Andy, I'll bite. Are you getting a tattoo, or are you just acting like you are? He was like, no, I'm just here. My friend's getting one. I'm just hanging out with him. So and so, I just want everyone to know out there that even though the show isn't happening, uh, Andy is doing almost Andy stories just for us. So yeah. 
So I just thought I'd fill <laughs> you true. in that this show is our real life. I also <laughs> liked his comment that it wasn't like, I don't want, you know, my body. I don't want anything on my body like that. Or his comment was, oh, I don't, I'm afraid of the pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I haven't got time for the pain. Yeah, really. Although he does have a point. Doug Citizen, a fine artist friend of his, big time Star Wars geek fan dude, is doing tattoos now. And yeah, if, if uh, especially Andy, but I think if any one of us got a ta- our first tattoo and it wasn't from Doug, uh, there'd be hell to pay. Fine point. Fine point. I wouldn't mind getting that Borderlands symbol, just a little simple. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I finally decided the one tattoo I would get mm-hmm. if I ever got it. Jaws. What's that? No, yeah. the uh, <laughs> the uh, full poster jaws on my chest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> on his back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the uh, Tarakian sword. Oh, Tarna's uh, yeah. symbol. Wow, nice. That's a, that's that's a proper there you. Go. There you tattoo. go. That's right. I was looking at that and I'm like, you know what? This is something I would do. I wouldn't do it on the neck because you know neck tattoos. And also that's Tarna's thing. So I probably you know shoulder, Man. inner thigh. I don't know. Inner thigh. I think you should go for you that. Know, in, I hear it's very, very tickly there. Yeah. Inside, you know, the taint. I don't know. <laughs> God. Well, it's just it, this way. Commander K presents Tarna's taint. <laughs> Tar- <laughs> well, no, it's just th- this way. Only the, you know, the special people know. <laughs> yeah, real special. <laughs> <laughs> Cream of the crop. <laughs> Uh, Disney Plus, that's the streaming service, is reportedly working on an animated anthology series based on Marvel's What If books, which have explored alternate outcomes within the Marvel Universe since the late 1970s. Based on the report, it's already confirmed that the show will adapt What If Volume 1 from number 47, which begs the question, what if Loki had found the Hammer of Thor? Since 1977, there's been dozens upon dozens of what-if stories written, but a few standouts include Captain America not disappearing after World War II, Peter Parker not being bitten by a radioactive spider, Charles Xavier becoming the Juggernaut, and Thanos becoming an Avenger, and Steve Rogers becoming President of the United States. Quote, It's pretty exciting to be 10-plus years into the MCU and have an entirely new outlet to tell stories with new characters, with with new characters, with existing characters, Kevin Fige told uh, Slash Film back in February. Feige. And the way that we like to do 90s action movie, political thrillers, heist movies, you hear us talk about all the time, and now we get to play with a medium even more in the multi-episode arc, which we're excited about, unquote. Disney Plus is expected to go live later this year. You know, one of my favorites is What If... The Punisher killed the Marvel Universe. That is, that one got its own special comic. I think so. Yeah, that was that was be that was like the ultimate what if comic. Yeah, I'd be more impressed if it was the Marvel What the series. I love those goddamn things. They're just so ridiculous. <laughs> next coming next to Disney Plus, not Brand X. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, those comics used to crack me up. Deep cuts, deep cuts, y'all. Uh oh! Hit me right in the funnies. Jim Henson's legendary tale of goblin kings and stinky bogs is getting is getting its own role playing game. Labyrinth, the adventure game, is coming from River Horse Games. 
those stinky RPG games every weekend. <laughs> right? Though the adventure comes with plenty of scenarios from the universe and an apparently manipulatable rule set, it's hard to tell exactly what the game is yet, though the game's built-in rule set comes from Jack Caesar. Uh, River Horse Games has previously released Labyrinth the Board Game and the Goblins expansion. Uh, Labyrinth the Board Game basically plays like Simple Talisman. If you've ever played Talisman, that's what Labyrinth is like, but not as complex. And Talisman isn't that complex of a game. And I've never played either. <laughs> See, there you we go. We need to play some Talisman. It's been a while. It has been a while. Not only that, but my 40K version of Talisman is still sitting in your closet. Oh, God. Yeah, that's true. So i got to clean out that closet. Dust off some of those Todd games. Mm -hmm. Sell them on eBay. God damn it. No. <laughs> And uh, I just I just don't want to be an undead ghoul again. I still when when we I'm I'm pretty sure that was Talisman. It wasn't another game, but we kept, probably we kept selecting the characters and like three games in a row. That's right. You I kept were. getting the undead ghoul dude, and I was just like, I don't know if I should be pissed off or enjoying myself. Uh, Michael B. Jordan will play a man who is more than 400 years old in Methuselah, a Warner Brothers Pictures project that has been in long development. Yeah, it has. <laughs> the project is being reconfigured around Jordan, whose recent appearances in movies like Black Panther as well as Creed and Creed II have made him one of the hottest actors in Hollywood. The concept, which is described as having the potential to start a franchise and features a Highlander-like mythology, posits that the title character never shows any sign of age, but is able to accumulate vast amounts of human knowledge and skills over the course of centuries. Methuselah. All right. The big screen. Soundtrack by Queen, right? <laughs> that would only make it better. <laughs> exactly. It always makes things better. Uh, we got time for one more story. The big screen adaptation of Stephen King and Peter Straub's The Talisman has found its director in The Handmaid's Tale alum, Mike... It's that time. Mike Barker. Uh, first published in 1984, The Talisman follows Jack Sawyer as he sets out on a fantastical quest to find a magical talisman that will cure his dying mother. Oh, I thought it was going to be a fantastic voyage. A sequel to the novel Black House was published in 2001. Chris Sparling from Buried is writing the screenplay. It's uh, oh. another Stephen King novel set that I have not read, the Talisman, Talisman. series. Two books. Uh, wow. Apparently loosely connected to the Dark Tower series in some way. Good Lord. Hmm. But not close enough that I would read it when I read the Dark Tower. So Now, I mean, at this rate, how long before it's just announced that Stephen King purchases the state of Maine? Right. <laughs> I mean, he just, Maine could use it. He yeah, he must be just you know rolling in dough. He's always been rolling in dough. Uh, but dude, now with all of these deals, it's 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 like it makes makes whatever he used to have it must pale in comparison. Either that he or and Tabitha are not hurting. I man, golly, golly. I mean, it used to be so bad. Poor Joe had to go out and write his own stories. <laughs> <laughs> To help prop up the family. There you go, right? Uh, we need to make rent again. Okay, I'll write it. Uh, I got this, Dad. I got it. You know, that's where Lock and Key came from because yeah. they needed rent. Yeah, he's sending, <laughs> sending Joe out to sell the fatted calf. He's coming back with beans, people. <laughs> coming back with beans. What's your beans? Write to us. Comments at uglycowshow.com. <laughs> 
And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And we'll talk to you next week at Geek with Andy. Next week in Beans. Next week. Where we have a stinky RPG. Smell bad. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, in in every major environment, uh, there's a stinky RPG. Well, that's true. But no, no. Oh, you were... Uh, mm, Maple Leaf. Okay. And... uh, and Paulette bought a new game, um, Mexican Train, which is sort of like a dominoes type game. We played okay. that this weekend. So we did do a little geeky something where we got together and... Mexican Train. Yeah, it's a, a, like a dominoes matching thing. And if you don't match, then your particular chain of dominoes becomes open for other people to put their dominoes in and the whole goal is to you know get rid of your dominoes first yeah. in your pile and i'm glad you explained that because i was thinking it sounded something like a sex it, act you know what dude <laughs> it's like when he when he's it's like a twist it's, on the dirty sanchez or it's, something it's it's in this fucking uh aluminum case like a camera case and he pulls that out and he's like yeah we got a new game mexican train and I'm like, all right, there's Major Meh and his wife. There's Matt and his wife. And, you know, at least, thank God Andy's not here. <laughs> but I'm going to be left alone in this little kinky whatever the hell's going on. It's nice to see you guys graduating to old people games. You're finally coming into yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, our own personal key party. Soon you'll be. Oh, yeah, we played Scrabble this week. <laughs> Except that, you know, to keep it geeky, we put D20s in the bowl. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> Whose D20 is this? Woohoo! Proper. And again, Thomas Bailey, thank you for the Wheel of Time curse. I have the world. <laughs> now, now I got to read it. Yep. I, you, you know, but you know, I've wanted to read it for ages. There's no excuse now. It's, it's your gift and your curse. It, you know, it's funny because. It is actually a seminal moment in commercial fantasy. Um, the Thomas Covenant books and Shanra kind of, you know, did the whole big fantasy thing, but Jordan really made the bullet stoppers viable. And in fact, the Eye of the World series, the Wheel of Time series, is where Tor.com. Tor's uh, online uh, science fiction magazine comes from because that series funded that fucking blog, that fucking magazine. Wow. So it, it is that friggin' huge. And yet it's so funny looking at that book because that is the smallest book. <laughs> it is. It really is. I mean, I, I you could flip through it all I want, but I will say that it ends on page 810. Yeah. <laughs> That's small. Eight hundred and ten. Yeah, hundred. That's just great. And it's it's fun. Jordan. I will need my reading glasses. This is <laughs> this is small print. He's very it's small. Funny. Yeah, you know, knowing Todd, he'll very quietly just buy the Kindle edition and read that, and just like you know. Not so quietly, tap, 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 <laughs> tap, bend, He'll bend the book, get a few creases in the spine, and he'll be like, "Yeah, I I read it." So. I tell you what, Kindle is glorious for my aging eyes being able to change the font size. Yeah. Don't yeah, read, kids. Yeah. Ruins your eyesight. That's right. And, 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 and get back from the TV. You get too close to the screens, it ruins your eyesight. Yeah, like, okay. don't get too close to the book. Yeah, except that, you know, there was a recent study somebody put out 
uh, I read this in Scientific American, an actual study that looked into the effect of uh, electronics, media, and all that stuff, and is like there's no appreciable effect on children. It's like the the uh, time spent on social media and and stuff like that. There really is no appreciable effect where everybody's you know doing all the screaming about how everything's cool. Yeah, everything's fine. It is. All I know is my niece when she was just shy of three years old could get my sister's phone, unlock the phone, launch the YouTube app, and find exactly the video she wanted to watch on Pornhub. No, <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> it's crazy. And what will